Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Hi, I'm Eric LeBlanc, and I live in Mashpee. Hi, I'm Liam LeBlanc, and I am originally from Zealand, Michigan. I grew up right here in Sandwich. Was gone, joined the Navy after high school in 91. And was gone for 26 years and just moved back here. But yeah, I've got probably crazy times that I can't say at church. So. We went to church three to five times a week. Faith, I didn't make my profession of faith like most of the kids my age would have done before we left for high school. So when I joined the Navy, I felt the pressure was gone. I didn't have to go to church, so I didn't. I married someone because I thought that if they loved me, that must be it. And I was still trying to be that person that somebody else wanted me to be, not who I was. So that fell apart. Met Eric and we uh, decided to move to Michigan after the Navy. So like a lot of everybody's stories, I was raised Catholic. And I went to Sunday school, did CCD, my uh, confirmation. My mom was good at doing that. Uh, maybe we'd go to church on Easter and Christmas, maybe. But you know, I graduated and just went about living my life. I encountered situations where I found myself um, talking to the kids about things about why they were or were not right and belief questions. And um, so it, it led me to question, do I really believe these things and what do I believe? How can I be telling them what's right and I'm not doing what's right? He did have those moments, you know, where, you know, I feel like listening to my music and he'd be like, ooh, look at you, super Christian. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I'm being real. I, I always thought she was I got a saint. I, I looked at myself, I was broken and I was lost and I was doing things I, I know I, I knew I shouldn't be doing. And I still was, but I always, Leanne was just my better half. And I never saw her do wrong, that's in my eyes. You know, and she, she did make the attempt to go into church in Ohio. I did notice all that. And it did, God was definitely putting it on my heart, saying, you need to step up or you, you know, I'm calling you too. I just fought it for longer. So I kind of let a little time go by, but when we got to Michigan on Easter of 2019, I got my mom <laughs> to nag Eric into going to church with us for Easter. I remember them asking if I wanted to go to church and they'd asked me before and I always no, I'm good but this this Sunday they asked me and I said sure looking back now I I didn't know what God had in store for me that day so I went to church the words sounded were so true and I was trying to fight it and really I think at that service after when I heard the pastor giving this message and everything was just so true and 
I, I think I gave my life to Christ at that moment. I walked out of there telling Leanne, if we can go back to, when we go back to Cape Cod, if you can find a church like this, I might want to go. But when we got back to my parents' house and he was talking as if he was going to possibly start a church if we couldn't find one. <laughs> and I was like, who are you? <laughs> and that was like a huge restart for us. I felt like um, we were having conversations on a whole other level. He was asking my opinions and it wasn't, it wasn't like waiting for a moment for him to say something that would like be slightly I'm a, hurtful. Yeah, I'm, a sl I'm a smart aleck. I'm, <laughs> I'm sarcastic, pessimistic, but I've gotten better. It's just sort of how I was. One of our first conversations, you know, was asking about what he thought. I thought it meant to live more fully. And we kind of bantered back and forth. And it was, it was wonderful because, you know, I felt like he was sharing more of his internal thoughts. Yeah, God has transformed my life in a very positive way. I was pretty quiet. He used to be kind of kept to himself, you know, not very outgoing. Not anymore. <laughs> he will talk to anybody. He's talking to people outside of the post office, to our neighbors, you know, letting them know that he's uh, that he's been saved and telling them his their his story and everything. And I'm still, yeah, over four years, but I'm still excited. I don't ever want to lose the excitement of telling people the good news. And I, I love my church family. I, I love this place. I love the people here. The best friends. I feel more myself. I have a lot of days where I just feel just joyful. And I think I said, yeah, I feel like my story is not very unique. I'm not. I didn't have some struggle or anything, but I'm a guy that just found Jesus, or Jesus found me, He's been, God's been pursuing me, and I just didn't know it uh, until that day I went to church. And my life's never been the same. It was a beautiful day. I love having one service because I get to introduce you all at the same time. Eric and Leanne, I'm just going to ask you, would you stand just for a moment so we can just... <laughs> Actually, Leanne, you can, be you can be seated. Eric, stand up. Stand up. I didn't realize you were trying to give me some competition in starting churches, though. We need to talk. that and uh, I love I love being together I love these opportunities a few times a year we get to bring the whole church family together on one Sunday and celebrate and uh, I love seeing you all have to find new seats because somebody took your regular seat <laughs> not gonna lie I saw somebody show up an hour early to save a seat this morning 
I'm not going to say who they were, but they're sitting up in the perch right now, up the upper deck. They just, that was their spot, and they were going to, they were going to get it. I watched that video getting ready for all of this, and uh, I heard them ask that question. We, we left church, and we started asking each other, what do you think that means to live a full life? Man, what a good question. What a great discussion. What do you think it looks like? What, what would a full life look like for us, for you, for me? See, most of the time, I think when we answer that question, we answer it with a bucket. You've heard of the bucket list, right? We got a bucket of things that we say, man, if I fill that bucket up, I get that bucket, then that's, that's going to make my life full. Here's the problem with the bucket, though. I was thinking about this. My bucket keeps changing. I bet yours does, too. Like, my 10-year-old bucket was full of stuff my 54-year-old bucket ain't full of anymore. I mean, when I was 10, I was like, man, if I had that... When I was 12, my bucket changed again. That was middle school. My bucket had one thing in it, survive. Just, Lord, help me to get through Duggan Junior High School in Springfield, Massachusetts. Whew. Man, our buckets change. My 17, 18, 19-year-old bucket, college, dating, Met my soon-to-be wife. Bucket changing. I remember dating. So only those of you who grew up in church, the kind of church I grew up in, will appreciate this fully. But I remember being about 21 years old, engaged, and my bucket was one thing. Jesus, don't come back before I get married. <laughs> the ones laughing know exactly what I'm talking about, man. I'm like, I just, come on, Lord. Married life. I had a bucket. It was one thing. And then, then we started putting together a family and the bucket changed again. The bucket was, bucket was full of family and no sooner did we get married and we moved here and started Cape Cod Church. And the bucket changes. My 35-year-old bucket looks a little bit different than my 54-year-old bucket looks. My 54-year-old bucket, I, I sat down the other day and I said, well, what are the things left that I really want to do? I, the, the easy thing is to fill it with locations and luxuries, right? Well, I want to go here and I want to go here and I want to go here and I'd like to have that and I'd like to have that. But after a few years, you realize you can fill the bucket with luxuries and locations and it doesn't really give you a full life. You, you start to realize, man, there's other things that that I want to fill that bucket with. And then somewhere along the line, we realize it ain't a bucket after all. That the answer to the question is something more. It's something more than something you could put in a bucket. The answer to what does a full life look like 
Well, here's my sense is that the answer to that question answers three big questions. They're just, they're, they're the questions that, that deep down we're all sort of wrestling through. They're the questions of the past and the present and the future, but, and, and they may take on different forms, but in one sense they all end up looking the same way, the past, the present, and the future. And here's my guess, we're going to walk through them quickly this morning, but my guess is you're going to find one of them. Just one that you go, right now, that's what I need. That's the question that is most pressing in my life. But I'm going to give you all three, and then I'm going to let you pick. I think in many ways it starts with the past. And Jesus and the way of Jesus, for those who've chosen to follow him, offers us a, a way to a full life that, that answers the big question about the past. And if I could, I, I would say that that question is, how do I deal with my failures? Let, let, me, let me read to you this passage, just a, a few verses from the book of Romans chapter 8. It, it's meant to be sort of a, uh, a statement about what happens when we follow after Jesus. In the very first verse, it says this. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There, there's no more guilt over the past. There's no more lingering judgment or the stain of it in our life because of what Jesus has done. But it says something in the next verse that's equally powerful. It says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. In other words, it's, it's set you free. It's, it's set you free. It's released you from the power that causes you to repeat the failures of the past. See, the sins of the past have a way of sort of leaking into my life. How do I deal with the failures of my past? Whether the failures are a decade in the past or a day in the past, how do I? I deal with the stain of the past. And, 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 and just as much, how do I keep the past from sneaking into the present? Does that make sense? How do I keep the, 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 the sins and the failures and the brokenness of my past from, from sneaking in and becoming the story of my present because they, they have a habit of, of coming and being repeated and we can never quite break free from them. We've been doing some home renovations here over the last few months and one of the things we looked at the baseboard uh, baseboard heaters and they were 
they, they were due for some love, you know. It had been some time and pulled them all off. And there was a bunch, I mean, rust and they, they needed some love. And I, we, we bought a good bucket of paint, you know. We <laughs> scrubbed some of it off. Got a little sander out. I, I scrubbed the loose rust off. And I bought good paint. And I just laid them all out there and I painted over it all. It looked beautiful. I, I was proud of my, I mean, shh, proud. And I, I took, there was like eight or ten of them and I took them and I set them down and then I went to, the, and, I, and I got them all done and then I went and I looked and the, the rust was back. I'm like, that wasn't the plan. And I thought, well, if I let the paint dry a little bit, bake that in, right? This is good paint. You want to hire me after this, don't you? Let, let it kind of set into that first layer. So I let it dry, and then I put another coat of paint on it. That'll take care of it. Left it overnight. Came back the next day. That rust was back. All the painters in the room are going, Amen. Hire a professional. <laughs> but I'm persistent, people, and I have more paint in my can. I was going to outpaint this heat man, just. Another coat. I was like, I can do this all day long, man. I'll just keep putting coats on it till it's an inch and a half thick. That will take care of it. Put another coat on, another coat on. Finally, I realized this isn't working. <laughs> and I went out and I got the right material to do the right job. I, I got the right kind of paint to cover up rust. I sanded it down. I got rid of it. Here's what I'm saying is that, that a lot of times there's stuff from our past that's leaking into our future because we've never really dealt with it. And Jesus offers us a powerful but not easy pathway. And the pathway comes through confession and through confession. And that's not you to me, that's you to him. Confession is a private act between you and God where you humble yourselves, you confess it before him, and he forgives it. It's confession, forgiveness, and power. You see, when I humble myself and I genuinely confess that, he sets me free. There's a, there's a, a powerful sense of being released from the penalty of the past of being forgiven. And with that comes the power to live a different life. That's what Jesus offers. And that's what a full life looks like. It looks like answering the question, how will I deal with my failures? But it can't just answer the questions of the past. It needs to answer the question of the present. And I got a verse I want to read to turn over to Colossians chapter 3 if you've got a Bible. But, but the, the question, I, I think, is uh, what will I do with my life? And I'm going to read you the verse in a moment, but let me, let, me, let me set it up a little because we're all asking the question, what am I going to do with my life? I, 
Now, you may, have, you may be at that formative stage. You're, just, you're heading off to college or you just got out of college and you're at, the, you're at the middle of the career path, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, like how am I going to live my life? What is going to be my rule of life for how I live this life out in the world? And everybody has something they're chasing after, something that has captured their heart and says, that's it. You go get that. Because if you get that, you'll be good. We just don't often know what it is we're chasing after. I was reading this past week uh, the story of, uh, of Thomas Aquinas, and that may, name may sound familiar, one of the great philosophers of history, a uh, Dominican monk, born in 1225, so a long time ago. Thomas Aquinas. And he was born to a family of nobility. Spain, I mean, they were. And they, they expected him to go down the pathway of a noble, wealthy family. In fact, what they expected him to do was to become a Benedictine priest. They, listen, this is, that was where the power circles of the day were. You're going to join the Benedictine order. You're going to be a leader. You're going to be powerful in this world. You're going to carry the noble name of our family forward. But Aquinas, he, he, his heart is captured for something else. And, and there's, this little, there's this little startup group. And, and he decides he's going to become a, a, a Franciscan monk. And is the who? And then his parents find out that to do that, he takes a vow of poverty and relinquishes all of his earthly goods. No, 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 you're not, son. Parents have dreams for their kids, don't they? Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's the wrong people, the wrong path. You are not doing that. And he said, yes, I am. Off he goes. You know what they did? Mom and dad kidnapped him. True story. Kidnapped him, took him back to their castle, and locked him there for a year. So you get your head on straight, you ain't leaving the house. True story. His brothers hired a prostitute to try and seduce him. Nice family, by the way. <laughs> I wonder how Thanksgiving was that year. Woo! Took a year, but mom and dad finally relented, and it, he became a, a Dominican priest and relinquished a vow of poverty, relinquished, and became one of the great philosophers of history. And it's interesting what he ended up doing. He ended up writing about uh, about what our heart craves, and in, in one in one place he. He famously writes about how the idols of the heart, what it is that people run after. And he helpfully identified four, which sums it up pretty, uh, pretty good. Let me, I, I wrote them down here so we didn't, we didn't miss any. Money, well, that's obvious. Power, makes sense. Pleasure, 
And then the last one, a little bit confusingly, was honor. But it's not honor like, like you would think. It was when he said honor, he described it as a sort of, of fame, the, the desire for the accolades of the world around him. It's a pretty good list. The things we crave after. I bet you, you could order that list from least likely to affect you to most likely. Maybe you're a person, money's fine, but I've never lived for it and I've never, you know, not a big deal. If I got it, I got it. I just need enough to get by. So maybe you put, maybe, maybe money's down the bottom of the list. And maybe power's not your thing. You're like, you know, I want to be able to get along, but I'm not, I don't, I don't need to be, I don't need to be in charge and pleasure, huh? I mean, I like to have fun, but maybe fame. Well, I'm not famous, but whew, the approval of people, the acceptance of another. Man, that's a, that's a deep draw. Money, power, pleasure, fame. In one way or another, they're all sort of drawing us toward them. He called them idols. Here's the thing. None of them are, are bad. There's nothing wrong with having, with having money or riches or having power and influence. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with pleasurable experiences and enjoying life. There, there's nothing wrong with it. And there's nothing wrong with fame or approval or applause. Here's the point, though. None of them by themselves can give you a full life. They just can't. And if you've gotten a bunch of them and only wanted to get a little bit more, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They just can't fill you up. They make you happy for a moment and then the moment's gone as quick as that. Jesus steps into the story, though, and he, he offers us a a way of living. He offers us an invitation to wrap our lives around and in Him. And then He says, Because you belong to me, this is how you should live your life. Jesus would talk about it in different places and then his followers would pick up the theme and write it down so there, there, are, there are dozens of places but let me, let me read to you uh, one in Colossians chapter through, 3 where Paul in a few verses kind of outlines this watch what he says in verse 12 he says since God chose you to be his holy people he loves listen since you have been a part of his family since you belong to him and he is yours. You must 
clothe yourselves with, and then he begins to describe it. This is the rule of life. This is how you should live your life. Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. As if to elaborate in the very next verse, he says this, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. He said, here's how I want you to live your life with kindness, gentleness, mercy towards others, offering forgiveness. He's, he's offering, he says, because your life is in Christ, because you are his, because your life is wrapped up, let me give you a way of living. Watch how Jesus himself says it in Luke chapter six in verse 35. He, he picks it up. This is a, a, a repeating of the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous message. He says this, love your enemies. This is how I want you to live. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without ever expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate. Just as your father is compassionate. Do not judge others and you'll not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, making room for more, running over, and poured out into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you'll get back. He's not talking about money there. He's talking about a life. If I could sum it up in one Word, a life of generosity. You want to know what, what, what takes and, and turns money into something fulfilling? It's a life of generosity. You want to know what takes power and makes it fruitful, useful, and fulfilling? A generosity with it. Like, God, whatever you've given me, how can I serve and love other people with that? What are these pleasures in my life meant to do? How am I meant to use them? What about this, this fame, this applause, this approval that was given to me? What am I meant to do with that? You see, Jesus is giving us a way to live. You could pick lots of words and and we gave a long list of them. But for me, that word in summary is a, a life of, of generosity with everything God has given me. I was reading recently a great book called Strength to Strength by Arthur Brooks. He's now a professor at, at Harvard. And he's, he's writing about the, the first half and the latter half of life. And, but in it, he tells this great story. He tells a story of, uh, of a woman who had read some of his books. And she was a high-powered Wall Street financier. She had made fortunes, climbed the ladder, top of the ladder. And she'd reached out to Brooks and said, hey, could, could we talk? And 
Apparently she had enough power that she could reach out and he responded. And she told him, she said, man, I've, I've spent my career climbing the ladder and I've got everything I dreamed of. And then she said, if I'm being honest though, she said, I feel like it's, it's not good and I'm not happy. She goes, my marriage isn't great. I've got great kids, but we feel sort of distant. She goes, when I go to work, I, I feel like I'm losing a step. I drink too much. I'm just not happy. And Brooks is listening, and, and he, he's hearing all this stuff, and he, he thinks, well, just stop you know, you just told me what the problem was. Why don't you reverse the order? And so he says that to her. He says, hey, it sounds like you've identified, you know, maybe you should stop working so much and invest in your relationship with your husband. And maybe it's time to invest in your relationship with your kids and whatever it takes and maybe get some help with, with the alcohol. And he says, why haven't you done that? And then what she said, just when I read it, it just, I said, well, there it is. And I didn't mean just for her. Here's what she said. She says, I guess I just decided I wanted to be special and not happy. Huh. I decided I wanted to be special and that's the cost of being special. If I could change out that word, I think sometimes we've decided that we want to be special. But the things that lead to a full life and I would offer that the way of Jesus is the way for those who follow him can't be replaced. I chose to be special and not happy. And sometimes we're probably choosing to be special. Money, fame, pleasure, power, pick your idol. But somewhere along the line, we have to make a decision that the way of Jesus is the way we choose. There's one last question, and I just want to wrap it up with this. You see, it, a full life has to answer the question, not just what do I do with the failures of the past and how do I live my life now, but it also has to, it has to answer the question about the future. And there usually comes a moment in life where we just want to know this. Is the future good? Is it good?
we get to a point where we've gotten just enough in life to realize that we're probably not going to get the answer to everything we want in this life. Romans chapter 8, in just two short verses, says this. It says, We were given this hope when we were saved. We were, when we were given this hope, when you stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you were given this hope. But then he goes on to say this. He says, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Is there... Is there more? <laughs> does this end well? Does this, all of this, does it end well? And do, do the sad bits of our life ever get resolved? Is there hope? I, I go back to the quote that we started this whole series for from our friend Tim Keller who said this, we all want to be a part of a forward oriented story. We want to be a part of a story that's going somewhere and it's going somewhere good. How does this story end? Because <laughs> right now, for some of us, it doesn't feel good. It feels unjust and broken and sad and maybe hopeless. Does this story end well? You see, a full life, a truly full life, has to have some hope that all the brokenness and all the suffering that happens in this world doesn't end up being victorious, that there's something better at the end of the story. And I'm just here to say this. Listen, this life can be good and it can be full and God wants to give you a full life now, but make no mistake, the best is yet to come. We don't ever want to pretend that somehow this whole thing of following, about, following Jesus means that your best life is now. Because you know the reality is sometimes this life, it ain't awesome. Sometimes this life just feels broken and, and hopeless. And we're thinking, Lord, there ain't nothing about this that feels full. Nothing. And we're tempted to think if this can't get fixed, there's no hope. <laughs> but this is exactly what Romans is saying when he says we were given this hope. 
when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must, we can, wait patiently, confidently. That's the hope of Jesus. That's why I believe that Jesus offers us a full life. And... The path with him is a life of discovery. I love how Eric described it in his, in his story with life where he said, I was chasing after God and then he caught himself. He said, God was pursuing me. Man, that is the truth. We even know it. God just out there knocking on our door, knocking on our door. Waiting, 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 waiting. <laughs> Here's what I'd love to finish today. Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like Eric felt that day. That, man, I've just been, I've been sitting here waiting. God knocking on my door and I'm ready. I'm ready to let him in. I'm ready to follow him and give my life to him and begin this life of discovery with him. I'd like to give you a chance to do that. Would you bow with me? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Just a moment of, uh, of quiet privacy. I know we're in a room that's just full of hundreds and hundreds of people that you don't know, but maybe you can block all of that out and you just have this clear sense God is speaking to you calling you and you're ready to say yes to Jesus Christ as your savior Romans chapter 10 it says that when a, a man or a woman believes in their heart and then confesses with their mouth it, that, that, that act of faith is made, it becomes their salvation at that moment. And I just want to give you a chance quietly where you're seated to do that. There's no magic words because it's a, a prayer of faith from your heart that God is listening to. But when you pray by faith, he'll hear you. And you'll never be the same. And if that's you, then I invite you to pray something like this. Dear God, you... You know everything about me. Every secret, every stumble, every sin, every failure, every struggle. I confess it. And I humbly ask for your forgiveness. Jesus Christ, I trust in you and you alone as my Savior. I invite you into my life. I want to live my life fully with you and for you. I pray in Jesus' name.